Okay, Rockcast, we are back at Mule Deer Days in the metropolis of beautiful Rock Spring, Wyoming. And it is a typical spring day here. The wind's blowing about 20. Uh, there is some snow melting out there. I can actually see some grass. That's a good sign. Uh, Travis uh, Hobbs, he's on the other mic here. We just went to another great seminar. And uh, we went with, uh, it was called Punk Rock Mule Deer. And the the the... the, the Marketing for the Mule Deer Days has been great. Their seminars all have great names. That's what gets us here. Uh, if 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 you name it after a research project and it's like a, a tw- twenty words in a title, like uh, uh, yeah. Mitch, oh <laughs> yeah, man, that, that was, was funny. funny. <laughs> whatever, whatever his was, then Hunter's just kind of like zone over. But Punk Rock Mule Deer, we had to come and see it. We end up ended up meeting the presenter, which is uh, Rihanna Jacopak. Rihanna Jacopak. Rihanna Jico, oh my God, say it one more time. Rihanna Jacob. There you go. Okay, that that's her name right there. I had it before we went you on did. air. You did. And uh, she uh, is uh, a scientific researcher. She is also with the Monteith Shop that you've heard us talk about a lot the last two days on the podcast. And fascinating subject that uh, that, that her research was on. And uh, I'll let her explain where the term punk rock mule deer came from but yeah i love it it's awesome i love it too yeah and so so really she's studying the migration habits of mule deer and these anomalies which may not be anomalies but these uh, like, like it always is in research and travis and i have talked about it the last couple of days what is really happening out there is often different than what you think is happening. Yeah, and I think there's always this assumption from from everybody that these deer, you know, and she talked about it, that the deer are following what their moms did. That's what, honestly what, like in my head, I assume the, you know, it's all learned traits, and, but it's very interesting. All these new things we're learning, and again, with the GPS collars and some of this data that's coming out with them, it's just so cool. And like, breaking down and learning this stuff is it's fascinating to me yeah we got to get our biology out of the coffee shops and 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 that's what we want to do on this on on this podcast is is connect with these researchers that are spending their their lives uh and their time and their money and learning these things which ultimately can make you a better deer hunter too and so i'm going to turn it over to rhiannon and thank you for coming on the podcast. You were golden in your speech. I'm, I'm sure you're going to do fine. It was, probably, it was one of the best presentations it was. for sure. It, it was, was my yeah. favorite wow. probably. So I really appreciate it. Yeah. it was awesome. wow. So, so wow. good job. So tell us, what is this punk rock mule deer thing? Yeah. So uh, punk rock mule deer really started a few years ago when we started to get some data back that really confused me. And I didn't really know what to make of it. But basically, um, as we were just talking about, I've been looking at whether mule deer are learning their migratory routes from their moms. When I started this work as my graduate work a handful of years ago, that was, I I totally thought that they were going to be learning their migratory routes from their moms. That's what my boss said. That's what everybody I talked to said. It's what everyone thought. You know, it was kind of like mentioned in some scientific papers that I had been reading. So I, I just like had it worked up in my mind that this is totally what we were going to find. It's all we were going to, that's all that was going to happen. And then once we started to actually get some data back, we had been following fawns from the day that they were born until they were three years old. And we had been following their moms during that same period of time, uh, as long as the mom survived. Sometimes the moms died during that study period, but uh, we were really focused on studying those fawns until they were uh, at, at that three-year mark. And that's because as scientists as people who care about deer as ecologists a lot of times we spend 
a lot of our times thinking about them when they are adults, because that's when, especially for females, they're that's when they're reproducing and putting fawns on the ground. And that's when, and we also care about them when they are fawns, because that's when they're most vulnerable. And if they can't get to adulthood, then we can't grow or even maintain that population. But there's these few years in between there, it's like their teenage years that we just never really pay attention to. Uh, and the marine world, actually, they've called this the lost years because we don't think about them like across animals. It's not just mule deer. It's it's whales, it's sea turtles. Right. Yeah. Everything. We think about the babies mm-hmm. and then we think about the adults, mm-hmm. but not much in between. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so we've been following them as they move from babies until throughout their teenage years, once they establish some of those behaviors that they'll have later on in their lives. And then we follow them into adulthood and we see what they're doing and how those things change and what influences the the behaviors that they ultimately have as adults. And so, again, we thought that we were just going to f- find what we had all been expecting, that they were going to learn their migratory routes from their moms. But instead, what we found with a good proportion of the animals that we were studying is that they're these these so-called punk rock mule deer. So these deer that did exactly the opposite of what we were expecting. Uh, they bucked the system. They didn't do what we thought they would do. And they, they found their own migratory routes. They are not taking the migratory routes of their moms. They're doing super different things. Um, some of them, their moms are still alive. So it's not like their moms just died and abandoned them and they didn't have this chance to learn from their moms. But they just, for whatever reason, these punk rock deer just decided to uh, to separate from their moms and just and just find their own way. So that's really where the that the rebellious teenagers the, that's is what, what they, they are, are right? Yeah, so I, I love how, you, how you brought that up. Like the <laughs> when you're younger, it's funny how your life does shape, like you know who you're hanging out with, mm-hmm. different experiences you have in your life talking from the human side of things, but it's interesting, like that we're seeing that go on with deer a little bit The you know, they're doing their own things for whatever reason, like whatever it is, like something's happening and the prevalence of it, like how many deer, um, in this study did it like, that was what I think blew my mind as I was thinking, oh, there was going to be maybe this one crazy outlier and no, like, that's not what you're, and we didn't have a big sample size, but it showed some pretty crazy amounts of deer doing this. Yeah. And so just for some context here, we started this work in 2015 and we just needed to get animals to to survive until three years old. And we collared uh, through from 2015 to 2019, there were like 150 fawns, I think, that we ended up collaring mm-hmm. during that time. And only nine of them survived till that Always three years. The full three years. Uh, the full three that years. Was your, and then, that was and then your one sample of them, size was nine. Nine. And then the collar failed on one of them. Sixteen, so. seventeen. So that would have been just to bring that back is like that horrible winter mm-hmm. um, that just crushed um, the Intermountain West. So like she started the study right at that same time and had just uh, that horrible winter where it's mm-hmm. fair made <laughs> doing research very yeah. difficult. It, it was not the ideal time yeah. to be working on that kind of project, but. Um, so anyway, so we ended up having eight deer that as of last summer met that three year mark. Um, and we, you know, the data were good. We had like the collars all worked, all of those sorts of things, which it's a small number, but it's a super rich data set. That's that, what I thought yes. when you were presenting it. Yeah. So it's, 
we, we can be careful. Of course, we don't want to say like, this is what all deer yeah, for do sure. forever. Right. But also, right. uh, it's like the lives, in-depth lives of eight mother-daughter pairs. And of those eight, four of them learned their migratory routes more or less from their moms. They kind of took the same routes. Some of them had some deviations, but overall, they're kind of in that same that same migratory route pattern. But for the other four, they just like pick these totally different routes for um, for whatever reason. Well, we don't have enough data to be able to look into that quite yet. That's something we'll be keeping an eye on into the future. But uh, four of them just totally were punk rock deer. Yeah, fascinating. Did their own thing. Didn't care yeah, what to, we thought. To give people a visual, what, what her slide showed was, was the four deer that, that, learned their migration route from their mother, or at least followed their mother on their migration route, they would overlay the the data. This is all from their uh, radio collars. And she had it in different colors on the map. And she would overlay their travel route from year to year. And you almost couldn't see the one underneath it. Like, it's almost like they're stepping in the same tracks as as their mother and, and, and their previous year. So that was those four deer. And then when she pulls up the screen on the punk rock deer... <laughs> It, it was the top of the screen their winter range. That was their summer range. Their summer range in this okay. system. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So, so if the top of the screen was a summer range, and then you would expect the migration uh, route to map straight down the screen, their first year that they were born, they went with mom, right? Mm -hmm. And then the second year, it was almost ninety degrees off. Just, as, just them, yeah, like look like an upside down V. Like yeah. there's their original migration route. Mom showed them, and then they're like, "Sorry, mom." have your migration route you old fuddy-duddy i'm going this way and 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 you don't we don't really know why why they changed we just know that they did that that's what your data found and it's incredible to me that 50 percent of those that's 50 percent did that like so half went with mom half did this and that's like just mind-blowing statistics to me i know it's not a great big sample size but it's pretty fascinating it's gonna be very interesting to see how that data like over the upcoming years and i know there's more work being done on it and it'll be very cool to see that do you think it's a built-in survival mechanism i think it's not advantageous it's not a good thing for deer to be super rigid or for any species mm -hmm. to be super rigid in their behaviors and not be flexible in them if they can't change if they can't vary with the system that they live in if that system changes they're kind of out of luck mm -hmm. right and so for deer uh they tend to be kind of stubborn later on in life they take the same migratory routes year after year even if like human development pops up they they don't change their migratory routes they just go faster through them. yes right and so i was you know, kind of scared thinking about deer, like what happens if something is severed uh, or what happens if they're migratory? Yeah, lose a migration. Route. Giant concern of mine too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, and then, then it's, then it's gone forever. But if there are these punk rock deer that can kind of vary within those first handful of years of life, maybe, maybe those adults can't change as much as we would like them mm -hmm. to be able to change. But I think it's beneficial for those that, that there are those punk rock deer that can change, can vary, can adapt, adapt and shift with the the changing environment that they're living in yeah that's what i was kind of thinking as you were talking about it like this is a good thing mm -hmm. because if they lose a migration route you know there's a, a freeway there or um they, they they build an underpass the deer don't want to use it well you've got at least part of that deer herd it's like oh that's okay we'll go this way 
mm-hmm. you know, and so that, that's a good thing. So fascinating to, to have the data. And, and I really liked how you wrapped up your study. You, you gave your lesson learned and, uh, and you're, you were a graduate student when you were doing this, right? And you said you kind of had to unlearn what you know. And that's what Travis and I yeah, talked so about cool. this in every yeah. seminar that, that we've had to unlearn what we know too. That's mm-hmm. what this is all about. That's why we really enjoy this stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and we really, you hear me say it a lot, it makes you a better deer hunter, you know, because, because as people, we get rigid too. There's only one way to do it, and everything's changing all the time, right? And then uh, your, your second lesson was that the teenage years are important. We talk, we've, we've talked about why and, and, and how this could even be a, a survival mechanism. Um, and then mule deer are not a monolith. I'll let you take that one. Explain that one a little bit more. Yeah, so a monolith is something that is like uniform. It's the same. Uh, think of like a rock slab where there's mm-hmm. like no really big ridges or anything like that. And I think that we want to be able to say that something is certain. As humans, as scientists, whatever, we like certainty. Right. And we like to be able to like know something and put it in a box. Mm-hmm. Deer are this thing. Deer do this thing. And I think that's true. And I think it's really important to be able to have generalizations. We have to have generalizations, totally. Mm-hmm. But if we don't stop to look within that and kind of ask ourselves what's going on with a handful of these kind of weirdo animals mm-hmm. or situations and we miss a lot of cool variation cool opportunities that can be happening and so i think a deer is not a deer is not a deer like they're all kind mm-hmm. of different they each have their own unique stories their own unique experiences um, and especially we are starting to see this through these punk rock deer i was totally expecting that we would just have this cut and dry story where deer learned how to migrate from their mom. I I loved when you talked about that you had to go back and double, triple check your data because you were like, oh, we've screwed up. Like, we've made a mistake. Like, I love that, like... you, you had to like dive in because you were so convinced mm-hmm. and that's just what we do is like mm-hmm. in general we think we're, we got it all figured out and oh, then yeah. you find out like this like this is groundbreaking stuff it really is like in the mule deer world that it's it's different it's a total different characteristic and behavior than was anticipated and it's very important that like and that's the cool thing about all these the money that these organizations and this stuff like it's so cool that that's how it's coming about and that money's being spent to learn this. And hopefully as we go along down the road, we're going to just lay in, g- gain more and more knowledge about this and hopefully be better prepared to adapt and work through the, all the things that are happening to mule deer that are, that are affecting mule deer populations. This is very cool. So yeah, we can't do it without you. Thank you. Can't but. do it without y'all. Folks at Mule yeah. Days. Oh, yeah. And then oh, one other thing, the sisters. So oh, my gosh. Yeah. Let, let's talk about oh, those. Yeah. I forgot so, about that. Yeah, there was two, there was two fawns that same uh, sister, same mother, mm-hmm. different years, but did, um, they kind of went on their they own. They were punk rockers. Yeah. They were punk rockers. They were yeah. both. So I don't know if this means that, like, their mom is a bad mom. Yeah. I don't know if this means. Yeah, like, it makes you wonder. Yeah, like, what is she? But she can't be that bad of a yeah, mom. Yeah, good to raise two. Yeah. Yeah, she's the only one of this deer that we've been studying that had the two had had two females make it to three years old yeah that honestly means she's a great so she's a we need more of her yeah right yeah yeah, yeah like right. she's a good something about it whether it's the habitat that she lives in or you know wherever she teaches her fawns i don't know what it is but yeah she, one, one fawn would have been bucking the trend yeah honestly but two two she's uh, yeah it's so. good but I don't know what that means. I don't know if it means that there's just a lot of deer traffic in that area and they're mm-hmm. just, the fawns can just kind of be like, oh, 
I'm going to go with this one here. Yeah. I don't know if it means that mom just likes her space. I don't know if it has to do with something weird physiologically. Uh, and she could have been a punk rocker too. Mom could have been, could have. which we, is we don't so know. cool. Maybe like a genetic passing that passing on to them. Mm -hmm. You know, she's she's on her migration route now. Like you said, when they mm -hmm. get older, they're rigid. They, mm -hmm. they you know, they're more uh, philopatric. I think is the word. They same fidelity. place fidelity. Yeah. There you go, fidelity. And um, um, but you know, still putting these fawns out that are like, hey, I'm going with these mm -hmm. people right here. So. And that's cool. what's going to be very interesting is to see as this data comes out, you know, and hopefully maybe some of these fawns live or mm -hmm. some of these deer, we can track them throughout their lifetime and maybe their children's lifetime. Hopefully we get some weather that cooperates, mm -hmm. but it'd be very cool to see this and like really learn behavior and characteristics and why they do this stuff. It'd be very fascinating. This is just so cool. It's awesome stuff. Yeah. And just, a, it, it is cool. It's fascinating. It's like the, I think the coolest thing in the world and i'm super grateful to get to do this work and just to, just to underscore that this is the work that comes from a lot of people caring a lot about deer and a lot about science and yep. so this work yeah. is only possible through a like huge collaborations between a ton of different agencies like the wyoming game and fish department and the bureau of land management the forest service and then partnering with a ton of um like nonprofits, like yeah, really fanatic, fanatic foundation, foundation yeah. just so and a ton of other people and then you know i was one graduate student on this project out of like five others that mm -hmm. were on this yes. project at various points my advisor now supervisor uh has been working on it collaborators technicians volunteers yeah, right like there's right. It, it's huge so it's like beautiful super cool data that tells us a lot of information about these animals like we don't get this kind of long-term information about animals it just it doesn't happen but to do that, it means a ton of people coming together and working together for, for a long time. It takes a village. It, it, I, it truly does, which is like cool and that we can all come together over. And I'm over so glad time. you bring that up because it's so important. Like I think a lot of hunters sit back on the sidelines. Me and Robbie have been talking about this. That you know they're down at the coffee shop complaining about everything that's wrong with the game and fish agencies <laughs> and what's yeah, going on yeah. and that they don't know anything. And yet – most of them do very little to get involved and especially with these conservation organizations and no matter what it is i mean there's multitude of different organizations that you can be a part of volunteer with learn this information i mean even young kids coming up maybe they want to be they they're interested in a degree in biology like into there's so many different ways you get involved as a young kid and like learn this stuff and like to come up in it. And it's, it's just, it's very cool. Like yeah. I, I, hunters just need to be very more, I think really need to be more involved. And if there's one takeaway, I think for me is that these conservation organizations and coming to events like this, like this was so cool to sit in the same room. I mean, there wasn't tons of us in the class and we were able to sit and ask questions and she goes into detail and uh, it's just, it's awesome. It's a cool experience experience to be able to talk with research scientists face-to-face -face in a situation like this. It's very cool. Make I think a better deer hunter. Yep, for sure. hundred percent. Cool. Well, let's wrap up with your, with your uh, number four lesson learned. I thought that was really neat and I'll, I'll, I'll let you explain it. Yeah. So my, the number four lesson learned that I've learned from a uh, punk rock mule deer and they've, they've taught me many things, taught us many things, but uh, the final thing is a, a little bit of hope. I think mule deer have been hit pretty hard by a lot of things over the past handful of years. And I think if we've been hearing anything about mule deer in the news, it's usually not good. Mm -hmm. their, their habitat is declining or chronic wasting disease is increasing. Um, their populations are declining. 
but they're like pretty stubborn in their behaviors. They're really they're really rigid in what they do, uh, and so they they don't necessarily vary later on in life. Which, as we were talking about earlier, if if something happens to the mom or to the migration route, to the habitat, if they can't respond, then they're kind of out of luck. Mm-hmm. But through these punk rock deer, I think they offer us a little bit of hope because they they might be the ones that are finding new migration routes, finding new winter ranges when the old ones aren't working anymore. Um, They're the ones that might be connecting different hunks of habitat and different parts of of populations. Maybe they're the ones that are going to be able to to make it through in in instances when when other deer maybe can't. And the way you put it, you said it gives us hope. Amen. Right? That's awesome. And, and we need help because a, a man can live three days without water, a month without food, but he can't live a day without hope. And uh, I, I, I like I like how you presented that because um, it, it gives us something to build upon, mm-hmm. you know, this this whole thing. So good job. That was awesome. Thank really. You. It was great. Yeah. Thank we'll do anything you. we can we, uh, to help you. So uh, ne- next time you're on a research project and you need some press, just let us know. Instagram and make sure you're following Monteith. Oh, I forgot. Yeah. Go, make sure you go follow Monteith, M-O-N-T-E-I-T-H. I know I before E, except after C, <laughs> and except in Monteith. M-O-N-T-E-I-T-H <laughs> shop. And this is not a place that sells T-shirts. Monty's shop is. A they do group. have some awesome stickers. They do have some though. awesome <laughs> stickers. Uh, flat yeah. bottom uh, moms make the world go round. Um, but anyways, go follow them on Instagram because uh, they, they need your support. You need to know who they are. They have great marketing on Instagram. That's how I found out about yeah. this. Was, was through your cool. Instagram page. And then if you want to support them more, um, uh, support the Muley Fanatic Foundation. Um, of course, if Wyoming Game and Fish will let you buy a license, buy a license. You know, if you're, and that's a, that's an inside joke. <laughs> <laughs> Travis, yeah, non-residents are kind of sour on Wyoming Game of Fish right now, but but buy your licenses, get out and support this kind of research because it really is the only hope that we have for mule deer. Thank you, Rannon. Thank you, Bob. Yep, thank you. It's awesome.